notes. But this is a this is what we call the read and rant. I've got nothing prepared. Okay. Um, I remember I think somebody commented, this guy's just rambling. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> this is what this is all about. We're just here to spend some time in reflection. We're here to spend some time in reading the word. And we're here to really hear what the God has to say to us today. At the end of the day, this is what we're here to do. We're here to hear what God has to say. And I want to make sure I emphasize this. This is not for you to hear what I am saying about what God is saying. This is for you guys to eavesdrop on my journey and my time as I spend in the word. But I want to encourage you to do the same thing for yourself, to read the word and to prayerfully ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? God, what are you revealing concerning me? And in asking those three questions and praying through those three questions, you're posturing yourself to really hear what God has to say to you today. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to submit ourselves to the Lord as we read his word. And we're going to continue to read from the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to read in chapter 40 as we journey from Genesis now to Jeremiah. So we're going to read chapter 40 and we're going to see where the Lord takes us from here. Father, I ask that you would speak to us today, Lord, as we engage in your word. Father, bless us, Lord. Um, We pray for your wisdom, your insight, your spirit, Lord. Breathe into this, Lord, as we seek to hear from you today. Um, Father, let it not just be the facility of our thought, but Lord, let it be the posture of our heart, Lord, to receive what you have to share and to say with us today. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Make sure I put that on. Do not disturb. Let's read. Chapter 40. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah, which he had taken, when he had taken him, sorry, bound in chains among all who were carried away captive from Jerusalem to Judah, who were carried away captive to Babylon. And the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God has pronounced this doom on this place. Now the Lord has brought it and has done it just as he said, because you people have sinned against the Lord and not obeyed his voice. Therefore, this thing has come upon you. And now look, I free you this day from the chains that, you, that were on your hand. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come. And I will look after you. But if it seems wrong for you to come with me to Babylon, remain here. See, all the land is before you. Wherever it seems good and convenient for you to go, go there. Now, while Jeremiah had not yet gone back, Nebuzaradan said, Go back to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon has made governor over the cities of Judah, and dwell with him among the people. Or go wherever it seems convenient for you to go. So the captain of the guard gave him rations and a gift and let him go. Then Jeremiah went to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, to Mizpah, and dwelt with him among the people who were in the land. And when all the captains of the armies who were in the fields, they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, governor in the land, and had committed to him men and women and children, and the poorest of the land who had not been carried away captive to Babylon, then they came to Gedaliah and Mizpah. Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, Johanan, and Jonathan, the sons of Kariah, Sariah, the son of Tanhumath, the sons of Ephai, the Netophathite, Netophathite and Jezaniah, the son of Mahakathite, they and their men. And Gedaliah, the son of Aikam, the son of Shaphan, took an oath before them and their men, saying, Do not be afraid to serve the Chaldeans. Dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. As for me, I will indeed dwell at Mizpah, and serve the Chaldeans who come with us. But you gather wine and summer fruit and oil, put them in your <clears throat> put them in your vessels, and dwell in your cities that you have taken. Likewise, when all the Jews who were in Moab among the Ammonites in Edom and who were in all the countries heard that the king of Babylon had left a remnant of Judah and they had set over them Gedaliah the son of Ahikam and 
the son of Shaphan, then all the Jews returned out of all the places where they had been driven and came into the land of Judah to get a lie Mizpah and gathered wine and summer fruit in abundance. Moreover, Jonah, the son of Kariah, and all the captains of the forces that were in the fields came to get a lie Mizpah and said to him, Do you certainly know that Baalis, the king of Ammonites, has sent Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, to murder you? But Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, did not believe them. Then Jonah, the son of Kariah, spoke secretly to Gedaliah Mizpah, saying, Let me go, please, and I will kill Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and no one will know it. Why should he murder you, so that all the Jews who are gathered to you would be scattered and the remnant up in Judah perish? But Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Jonah, and the son of Kariah, you shall not do this thing, for you speak falsely concerning Ishmael. Now it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishama, of the royal family and of the officers of the king, came with ten men to get Eliah, the son of Ahikam, at Mizpah. And there they ate bread together in Mizpah. Then Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, and ten men who were with him, arose and struck Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, with the sword, and killed him whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. Ishmael also struck down all the Jews who were with him, that is, with Gedaliah and Mizpah, and the Chaldeans who were found there, the men of war. And it happened on the second day after he had killed Gedaliah, when as yet no one knew it, that certain men came from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria, eighty men with their beards shaved and their clothes torn, having cut themselves with offerings and incense in their hand to bring them to the house of the Lord. Now Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, went out of Mizpah to meet them, weeping as he went along. And it happened as he met them that he said to them, Come to get Eliah, the son of Ahikam. So it was when they came into the midst of the city, that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, killed them and cast them into the midst of the pit, he and the men who were with him. But ten men were found among them who said to Ishmael, Do not kill us, for we have treasures of wheat, barley, oil, and honey in the field. So he, so he desisted and did not kill them among their brethren. Now the pit into which Ishmael had cast off all the dead bodies of the men whom he had slain, because of Gedaliah, was the same one Asa the king had made for fear of Basha, king of Israel. Ishmael the son of Nethaniah filled it with the slain. Then Ishmael carried away captive all the rest of the people who were in Mizpah, the king's daughters, and all the people who remained in Mizpah, whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had committed to Gedaliah the son of Ahikam. And Ishmael the son of Nethaniah carried them away captive and departed to go over the Ammonites. But Jordan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces that were with him heard all the evil that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had done. They took all the men and went to fight, and Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and they found him by the great pool that is in Gibeon. So it was. When all the people who were with Ishmael, the son of Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces who were with him, that they were glad. Then all the people whom Ishmael had carried away captive from Mizpah turned around and came back and went to Joanan, the son of Kariah. But Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, escaped from Joanan with eight men and went to the Ammonites. Then Joanan, the son of Kariah, and all the captains of the forces were with him and took from Mizpah all the rest of the people who had recovered from Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, after he had murdered Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam the mighty men of war, and the women, and the children, and the eunuchs, whom he had brought back to Gibeon. And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham, which is near Bethlehem. And they went their way to Egypt because of the Chaldeans, for they were afraid of them because Ishmael the son of Nethaniah had murdered Gedaliah the son of Ahikam, whom the king of Babylon had made governor in the land. Chapter 42. Now when all the captains of the forces, Joanan the son of Kariah, Jezaniah the son of Hoshiah, and all the people who from the, from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet, Please 
Let our petition be acceptable to you, and pray for us to to the Lord your God. For all this remnant, since we are left, but a few, as many as you can see. That the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing we should do. Then Jeremiah, the prophet, said to them, I have heard, indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words. And it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. So they said to Jeremiah, Let the Lord be true. Let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you, whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God, to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And it happened after 10 days. Sorry. My Bible decided to be funny here. And it happened after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Then he called Jonah and the son of Kariah and the captains of the forces who were with him and all the people from the least even to the greatest and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. If you will still remain in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him, says the Lord, for I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. And I will show you mercy that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. But if you say we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God, saying no, but we will go to the land of Egypt where we see, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of trumpet, nor be hungry for bread, there we shall dwell. Then hear now the words of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. If you wholly set your faces to enter Egypt and go to dwell there, and it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. The famine of which you were afraid shall follow you close after there in Egypt, and there you shall die. So shall it be with you, all the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to dwell there. They shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. And none of them shall remain or escape from the disaster that I will bring upon them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my fury has been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so will my fury be poured out on you when you enter Egypt. And you shall be an oath, an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach, and you shall see this place no more. The Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day, for you were hypocrites in the hearts where, when you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God, and according to all the Lord your God says, So declare to us, and we will do it. And I have this day declared to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, or anything which he has sent you by me. Now therefore, know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence in the place where you desire to go to dwell. 43. Now it happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them all these words, that Azariah the son of Hoshiah, Jonah the son of Kariah, and all the proud men spoke, saying to Jeremiah, You speak falsely. People never learn. You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, Do not go to Egypt to dwell there. But Baruch the son of Neriah has set you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they may put us to death or carry us away captive to Babylon. So Joanan the son of Kariah, 
all the captains of the forces and all the people who would not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. But Jonah, the son of Cariah, and the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to dwell in the land of Judah. And from there, all the nations where they had been driven, men, women, children, the king's daughters, and every person whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Aikam, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, the prophet, and Baruch, the son of Neriah. And they went into the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And they went as far as Tapanus. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and Tapanus, saying, Take large stones in your hand and hide them in the sight of the men of Judah, in the clay, in the brick of the courtyards, which is at the entrance of, to the Pharaoh's house in Tapanus, and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will set his throne above these stones which, that I have hidden. And he will spread his royal pavilion over them. When he comes, he shall strike the land of Egypt and deliver to death those appointed to death, and to captivity those appointed to captivity, and to the sword those appointed for the sword. I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt, and I shall burn them and carry them away captive, and he shall array himself with the land of Egypt as a shepherd puts on a garment and shall go out from there in peace. He shall also break the sacred pillars of Beth Shemesh that are in the land of Egypt and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians shall also burn with fire. Um, I'm going to read chapter 44. And then we'll, we'll, I'll just share a few thoughts as long as my voice gives me uh, capacity to do so. 44. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwell in the land of Egypt, who dwell in Migdal, at Tapanis, at Noph, and in the country of Pathros, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and on all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day they are a desolation, and no one dwells in them because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger. And that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they did not know, they nor you nor your fathers. However, I have sent to you all my servants and prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. But they did not listen, or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness, nor to burn no incense to other gods. So my fury and my anger were poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem, and they are wasted and desolate as it is this day. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, why do you commit this great evil against yourselves to cut off from you man and woman, child and infant out of Judah, leaving none to remain? And that you provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense to other gods in the land of Egypt, where you have gone to dwell. That, may, that you may cut yourself off and be a curse and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, your own wickedness, and the wickedness of your wives, which they committed in the land of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem? They have not been humbled to this day, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or in my statutes that I set before you and your fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will set my face against you for catastrophe and for cutting off all Judah. And I will take the remnant of Judah, who have set their faces to go into the land of Egypt to dwell there, and they shall be consumed and fall in the land of Egypt. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine. They shall die from the least to the greatest by the sword and by famine. And they shall be an oath, an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach. 
for I will punish those who dwell in the land of Egypt, as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But then none of the remnant of Judah who have gone out into the land of Egypt to dwell there shall remain or survive, lest they return to the land of Judah, to which they desire to return and dwell. For none shall return except those who escape. And all the men who knew that their wives had burned incense to other gods, with all the women who stood by, a great multitude, and all the people who dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pathros answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But we will certainly do whatever has gone out of our own mouth, to burn incense to the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings to her, as we have done. We and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the cities of Jerusalem, for then we had plenty of food, were well off and saw no trouble. But since we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have lacked everything, and we have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. The women also said, And when we burn incense to the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings to her, did we make cakes for her to worship her and pour out drink offerings to her without our husband's permission? Then Jeremiah spoke to all the people, the men, the women, and all the people who had given him that answer, saying, The incense that you burn in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, you and your fathers, your king and your princes, and the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them, and did not it come into his mind. So the Lord could no longer bear it, because of the evil of, the, of your doings, and because of the abominations which you committed. Therefore, your land is a desolation, an astonishment, a curse, and without an inhabitant, as it is this day. Because you have burned incense, and because you have sinned against the Lord, and have not obeyed his voice, or walked in his law, in his statutes, or in his testimonies, therefore, this calamity has happened to you, as at this day. Moreover, Jeremiah said to all the people, And to all the women, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah, who are in the land of Egypt. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, You and your wives have spoken with your mouths, and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely keep our vows that we have made, to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, and pour our drink offerings to her. You will surely keep your vows and perform your vows. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all of Judah who dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in the land of Egypt, saying, The Lord God lives. Behold, I will watch over them for adversary, not for good. And all the men of Judah who are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword, by famine, until there is an end to them. Yet a small number who escape the sword shall return from the land of Egypt to the land of Judah and all the remnant of Judah who have gone out into that land of Egypt to dwell there shall know whose words will stand, mine or theirs. And this shall be a sign to you, says the Lord, that I will punish you in this place that you may know my words. I will surely stand against you for adversary. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give Pharaoh, Hophra, king of Egypt, into the hand of his enemies into the hand of those who seek his life, as I gave Zedekiah, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, his enemy who sought his life. We're going to stop here. There's a significant amount of things to unpack here. And of course, uh, as usual, not afforded the time to, you know, to really unpack all of this with you. I'm just here to share a thought. I'm here to share whatever the Lord is really speaking into or whatever is really sticking out of the text. As you guys know, with the read and rant, my motivation for you all is that you would journey in the reading of the word. That's my motivation. My motivation is that you would read through the entire Bible. Because in reading through the entire Bible and seeing the totality of the narrative 
you're going to begin to see really how all of this comes together and what this points to. Because a lot of times people misinterpret the scriptures because they read simply little pieces here and there, but it changes everything. When you actually read the scriptures in its totality, it changes everything. And so that's why I do this. And I know you guys have been journeying with me through Jeremiah. We, what we read so far up to this point is we see, a cho- we see the children of Israel who now are submitting to the power of Nebuchadnezzar, who's come in. And of course, the submission to the power of Nebuchadnezzar came by the permission of Jeremiah. Jeremiah gave permission to do so because the Lord, of course, was giving them consequence for what he called their harlotry. They were considered harlots because even though they were the chosen people of God, given the law of God, they chose to worship the Canaanite God. They chose to worship and to participate in pagan worship, some of it being sacrilegious. Some of it is some of the stuff that we talked about before. Evil doings. And in these evil doings, the Lord had to bring justice and judgment. Because again, these were the people that God had set aside to be the ministers of justice, to bring the righteousness of God to the earth, to bring and establish what the world ought to be like and who God was like in a world in which humanity was uh, in consequence and in coincidence with him. This is what God called these people to do. And so when these people who were married to God now began to participate and partake intimately with culture. The terminology that he uses is the harlot, that they were harlots. And so now we see the consequence of this, that as a result of their harlotry, they now fall into captivity. As a result of their harlotry, they have now been permitted into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar has come. The kingdom of Babylon, the Chaldeans have come and now overtake the land of Egypt. I'm sorry, the land of Israel. Of course, we saw everything that transpired to this point because Jeremiah prophesied this. He said this was coming because of their harlotry. Jeremiah spoke about all this. Jeremiah knew this was coming. And even though Jeremiah knew that this was coming and he spoke about it, spoke vehemently about it, the consequence of it was that he was thrown in jail. And even though he was thrown in jail, what we read uh, is, is that he was thrown in jail and when Jerusalem fell, he was set free by Nebuchadnezzar by way of Nebuzaradan. Nebuzaradan, who was the captain of the guard, which we read in chapter 39, Nebuzaradan sets him free and permits him to leave. And what Nebuchadnezzar does afterwards is he delegates the management of, of the, 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 this province now. He delegates the management of this province. Uh, what was the province called? Oh, goodness. Um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar called it the Yehud province. And this Yehud province, which was the kingdom of Judah now, becoming the province, it wasn't just the kingdom of Judah a little bit of Israel, all of that. And Nebuchadnezzar had taken all that, wiped all of that out. And so now he gave Gedaliah responsibility over this land as a governor of the land. What's interesting, I think somebody had pointed this out on Patreon. By the way, shout out to all my patrons who support. Thank you so much. Love y'all very much. You guys make all this possible. Um, And shout out to all my subscribers. I know some of you guys are subscribing now. Thank you for saying yes to supporting what we do here. So just click the star next to my name and you can subscribe as well. Uh, all that being said, um, Gedaliah now has been given the task to govern this Yehud province. And what I think one of my patrons had mentioned, and I like and I didn't even get a chance to comment on it. So my bad if I haven't, but I will. It's just been crazy. I know you guys are patient with me because we haven't been able to interact as much. Um, which is something I intend to do on Patreon is to spend more time in interaction with you guys. But <clears throat> he mentioned how when Nebuzaradan came, he began to reestablish the land, reestablish the region, establishing vineyards, 
giving the people peace and comfort. I find that interesting because upon bringing some sort of restorative work, what Israel was supposed to do, now the Chaldeans are doing. But what, what Israel was supposed to do, now the Babylonians are doing. Like, this is what you were, this is the task Israel was given, the whole purpose of the law, part, a big part of the law, and the way that the law um, um, uh, was put together was to protect those who were voiceless, to, to, to help those who were in need, to, to, to be there and to bring support to those who could not support themselves. This is a large part of the law. If you read back at the Mosaic Law, you'll see all of this. this was, these, were, these were cutting edge elements of the law. These things didn't exist before then. And here Israel is establishing a new land, a new nation, a new government, one in which, uh, one that takes into to, to, to account that each and every person, each and every human, each and every individual is made in the image of God according to his likeness. And that even though there are those who are weak among us, they still have equal dignity and must be protected and covered. That is the widows, the orphans, the, um, the sick, the needy, the homeless. And yet Israel did not follow this. Israel was religious in that they would go in and practice the temple worship. Israel was a religious in the activity. But Israel didn't follow the heart of God, the heart behind the law. They were religious, but they were compromisers. They were religious compromisers. And we talked about this yesterday, how often we are so busy following rules or whatever rules or laws or whatever denominations or whatever it is we create, not realizing that, or, or at least not confronting the question, are we actually the people that we ought to be? Is this who God called us? Is this how God called us to govern? Is this how God called us to represent him? Is this how God called us as ambassadors? And this is really, this is the one word of conviction because Jeremiah is pointing out their harlotry. Jeremiah is saying, you guys were given a law and the very people you are meant to protect are the people you are now exploiting. You were supposed to protect children, but now you're sacrificing them to gods, killing them and shedding their bloods to worship gods. You were called to protect the weaker vessels, the girls, the children, yet now you're exploiting them as sexual pieces of property. You were called to help those who were in need. You were called to set free the captives, and yet you're keeping slaves. And yes, there were some who were slaves and indentured servants for a period of time so that they can pay off their debt, but after seven years, their debt would have been paid anyway. And yet you have chosen to keep them in slavery. The very people you were, that this law was meant to protect and to preserve. These people are now being exploited. There, the kingdom of God isn't looking like it's coming into fruition here. Because while Israel was given the law, Israel's heart was for the, the people, the people of Israel, their heart was towards evil desires, me, myself, and I, my politics, my position, my, and so because of all of this, God said, I have to bring judgment. We have to understand that God is about his justice. He's about his righteousness. When he called the children of Israel as chosen people of God, he called them as agents of righteousness and justice, a nation of priests a people who would bring humanity back into relationship with God, to bring 
restoration and reconciliation to humanity, to the world, and to all of creation. And that's not what we see. Israel wants to be religious, but Israel doesn't want us. Israel doesn't want to submit to the call. It does sound a lot like the church today. It does sound like the church today. This judgment, and now I want to make sure, and this is something I just want to point out here, is that this judgment is not a punishment unto itself. This judgment is a recorrection. God is correcting things. The work that Jeremiah, when Jeremiah is prophesying these things, saying, you will not play the harlot, not when you represent, you're the only one who's been given God's law. And because God has chosen you and put his promise on you, fam, you're here. There will be a recorrection. And God was calling Babylon to do the correcting. Funny how God will use pagan nations, pagan governments to bring about correction to the call that he gave the people of God. It's funny, even today. I've always said this before, but if the church was the church, we wouldn't need welfare programs. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to get myself in trouble now. If the church was the church, we wouldn't need welfare programs. If the church was the church, we wouldn't need government assistance programs. If the church was the church, the kingdom of God, we wouldn't need foster care systems. If the church was the church, a lot of the public services that we see that the government provides wouldn't have been necessary because the church would have done what the church was called to do. The existence of these programs is because of the absence of the church. The existence of these programs are a consequence of the passivity of the church to say yes to the call the church has been given. Pagan governments will come in to correct what the people of God are not doing. If the church was the church, we wouldn't see some of the things that we see today. And this is the unfortunate consequence, fam. Because Israel isn't being Israel. Babylon has been called. Pagan kingdoms have been called to now overtake them, not to be victorious over them, but for a season of correction. I want you guys to pay attention to this. This looks like a season of reorientation and correction. And you could choose to take it or you could choose to leave it. How do we know this? Because we see right away Nebuchadnezzar shows up and he begins to institute systems to do the things that Israel was supposed to be doing in the first place. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If y'all if y'all would just bear with me for a moment. All of a sudden, the security systems, the systems of establishment and government and and order, all of a sudden are being established here. And Gedaliah now has been given the task as governor over this. Israel has not yet learned. Israel is 
still thinks that what they do is right. Israel's hard-headed. They want it their way. Israel got into this because they were doing it their way. Israel got into this because Israel wanted to do what Israel wanted to do. Forget everybody else. Forget the call of God on my life. Forget everything else. I'm going to do it my way. Because that's how I want to do it. I want to still be religious and still, you know, do my own thing on the side. I want to still, you know, as long as I read my verse of the day, I still want to live however I want to live. I still want to do however. This is, this is the harlotry that God is speaking about here. Sorry, that, that Jeremiah is speaking about here. This is the harlotry that he's pointing out to. And what he's saying is, is I'm bringing Babylon. I know I'm cliff noting this thing and I'm skipping a lot of steps here to get here. But I'm, I'm cliff noting this thing for you guys because this, this, is, this is so critically important. Is he saying, I'm bringing Babylon to bring you back to me. You see, we were all once harlots. Those, the things that we suffer, those things that we say, man, God must be punishing me. Why do we look at it as punishment? Have you ever thought about that? Like, whenever you mess up, have you ever wondered? Because again, your decisions have consequences, okay? You make good decisions, there are good consequences. Bad decisions, bad consequences. We get that. Decisions have consequences. But why is it that when we make the wrong decisions and we know we're not living right, we're not doing the right thing, and all of a sudden we suffer as a result of that, why do we look at it as God punishing us? Why can't we look at it as God reorienting us? Why do we look at it as God, you know, inflicting pain upon us rather than looking at it as God reorienting me so that I can see the way that I should go? God isn't punishing you if Christ already died on the cross for your sins. What if the consequences of what you're going through is just God reorienting you to who he's calling you to be? Have you thought about that? Like, what if that's what it is? What if Israel, you, you're going to need to, you're going to need to endure the season with Babylon, Israel, because you're going to need to learn how to live again when you didn't have anything. You're going to need to learn how to live again when you don't have your land. You're going to need to learn how to live again when your nation doesn't have a name anymore. Because you couldn't handle it when I gave it to you. And so, Israel, I still have a calling on your life and everything. And, and my promise is still on you. And, and no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what it is you've done. I'm coming back to restore you. This is part of your restoration. What if Babylon is a part of your restoration? Have you ever thought about that? What if this season in my life right now, I ain't going the way that it should be going. What if that's part of God restoring me? And maybe it doesn't feel good. But maybe there's something God needs to correct in me. Maybe there's something God needs to reorient in me. Because here's the thing with Israel. Israel refuses to submit to the Chaldeans. From Zedekiah, now we get to Gedaliah. Gedaliah is leading well. So much so that even the Israelites are coming back to Judah again. They're coming back to Judah. Why? Because Judah is safe again. Judah seems to be flourishing again. Because Gedaliah now is governing. Although under the, the rule of Nebuchadnezzar, but this is the provisional plan of God. This is the provisional providence of God. And now Gedaliah is leading. He's governing. The Israelites don't like it because they don't want to be submitted to the Chaldeans. No, no, not me. I want to do my thing. I want to do my thing. 
Yeah, I want to live the way I want to live. I want to do my thing. I, yeah, I, I want to date the way I want to date. I want to manage my money the way I want to manage it. I want to manage my life the way I want to manage the soul the way I want to manage it. If it's been falling apart, what makes you think this time around it won't fall apart again? What if God is saying to you, uh, the way you want to do it doesn't really last. The way you want to do it doesn't keep you. The way you want to do it doesn't hold you. You're going to need to go through a season where you ain't got any of it so that I can reorient you and correct you so that when I restore you, you'll be able to handle the very thing that I'm entrusting you with. What if God is saying, I can't restore you until you actually submit to me? To trust in me. Israel doesn't want to surrender. Israel wants to go back to what Israel's doing. At the end of the day, that's what they want. Israel wants to do what Israel is doing. Israel wants to keep doing themselves. Can we just serve our own gods? Can we just do our own thing? Can we just, can you, can we just do, can, can we just do us? Like, just let me be me. Let me live my life. Let me do what's comfortable for me. You know, let me just do me, do me, do me. I just want to do me. Israel wants to do Israel. So they're like, nah, we ain't submitting to these Chaldeans. No, we're Israelites. No, we're not going to submit to them. And Gedaliah does look like, I mean, he looks like a sellout. He looks like a sellout because he's governing under the rule of the Chaldeans, part of God's provisional plan. So what did they say? Nah, they said, nah, we ain't having that. Ishmael comes through. Ishmael says, man, we got to kill this guy. They kill Gedaliah. He not only kills Gedaliah, he kills us, chapter 41. He kills Gedaliah, kills all the other guys who mourned Gedaliah's leadership. It's crazy because when Gedaliah was governing, all of Israel started coming back. We saw a remnant of restoration. Exactly what Jeremiah said. Just stay here. Let the Chaldeans control things. Get yourself back together. Get back to God. Get your relationship right. Stop hustling and trying to get what you lost. Just get right with God. Stop trying to do you in all this. Just get right with him. And then God will restore you. He's going to give you the land. It's yours. It's always going to be yours. But in the meantime, stop resisting something that God has ordained. We don't like the recorrecting years. We don't like recorrections. We don't like reorientations. We don't like that. We don't like redirection. We want to keep doing the things the way we want to do it. We just want different results. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. I'm pushing my voice. I hope I don't sound crazy. I hope my voice don't sound crazy. But that's what we want. We just want to do us. We just want the results to be different. Crazy. That's insanity. You know, insanity. I believe it's, I, I believe it's Albert Einstein who said this, that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And yet that's what we do as believers and as people. We keep doing the same stuff over and over and over again, and we keep getting different results. We actually don't want to change. We just want the results to change. That's the insanity. That's the insanity. The insanity is, is I just want to do me. I want to do me. I want to do me. But I just want the result to be different. I just want to live my life, do things my way. I just want the result to be different. I, I just want to do my thing just let me live my life. Let me live my truth. But can the results change? That's the pride that we have. And we get stuck in this pride not realizing that you're going to have to submit to the fact that you, yourself, your way, your truth may not be the truth. But Israel wants to do Israel. So let's kill Gedaliah. Let's kill all his homeboys. 
Let's 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 reestablish ourselves and let's take control of our own land. Israel gets wind of this. The Judeans get wind of this and they're like, yo, we got to get out of here. So what do they do? They say, we got to run. And they go to Jeremiah. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. They go to Jeremiah. And they go to Jeremiah and they say to Jeremiah, yo, listen, Jeremiah, um, go talk to God and ask God, what does he want us to do? And whatever God says, that's what we're going to do. Jeremiah goes to God and says, hey, the people feel unsafe. Get Elias gone. And Nebuchadnezzar's coming. What do you want us to do? Because they all want to run to Egypt. Jeremiah hears from God 10 days later. He shows up and he tells them, this is what God says. God says, stay here. Serve under the Chaldeans. Stay here. Serve under Nebuchadnezzar. Stay here. Serve under Babylon. You're going to find flourishing there. And don't worry, God's going to restore you. He's going to restore the land. But this season, we got to recorrect. This season, we got to redirect. So stop trying to fix stuff. Stop trying to do you. You're just going to have to eat this one. Israel hears it and goes, nope, that can't be it. No way. No way. No way that was God. No way that was God. No, no way. No way. That's what God wants from us, for us. It's the hard-headedness. That's the pride of man's heart. To want to hear from God, whatever it is that feeds into his ego or her ego. They hear Jeremiah they say, Jeremiah, listen, man. Um, that wasn't from God. God wouldn't want that. God wouldn't want us to be. Nah, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeremiah, thank you for that word. That word just doesn't align with my life. And so I'm just going to go to to Egypt now because Egypt's comfortable. You know, we don't really have to hunger there. Egypt's Egypt's comfortable and Egypt, you know, we're going to have money. We got AC. uh, We got food. Uh, we're going to have a roof over our heads. It's comfortable. So you know what? Do your thing. Do your thing, Jeremiah, whatever it is, you know, we're just going to do our thing. So yeah, we're going to do what makes sense to us. You know, I I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't want that. We don't want correction. No, no, no. We don't want correction. Uh, we just want a comfort. <laughs> We don't want correction. We just we just want God to give us what makes us comfortable. And God's like, no, correction is uncomfortable. You want to know why a lot of us are still stuck in the same patterns? You want to know why a lot of us are still stuck on the same toxic patterns? You want to know why there's a whole bunch of folk who... They know, man, this thing is not going the way I want it to go. My life isn't going the way I want it to go, but you're still stuck in your own way because you don't want correction. You want comfort. And because you want comfort, you chase that. You chase comfort. Not realizing that your way is what's getting you into the pattern and the habits and the toxicity. What you actually need is correction. Here's the problem, though. Correction is uncomfortable. And for many of you, you won't, you won't accept that. You won't accept a season of discomfort so that you can reorient you to go to where God wants you to be. And therein lies the reason why we still live out our toxic habits and our toxic patterns and our toxic rhythms. It's just the truth, but we get stuck and Israel is stuck. Nah, Jeremiah, that ain't it. We want to do us. So what what do they do? They go back to Egypt. They go and still serve other gods while still remaining religious. Back to what they used to do. Back to how they used to live. 
Israel has not changed. Because Israel doesn't want to change. Israel just wants to be comfortable. The grace of God makes us uncomfortable. When we talk about the grace of God, people think sometimes the grace of God is just God saying, hey, you know what? You can live however way you want to live. And, you know, I'm just going to forgive you. But go ahead and live your truth. Live your life. Do your thing. Not realizing that the grace of God comes with discomfort. There will be seasons in your life when you will be uncomfortable because God has to correct something in you to guide you to who he's calling you to be. Can I say that one more time? There will be seasons in your life where you will go through extreme discomfort because God has to correct some things in you. He's going to refine you in those seasons. But get this, when you're uncomfortable, God is reorienting you. When you're going through that pain and that God is giving you wisdom, he's reorienting you. He's guiding you. He's leading you. He's giving you insight. He's correcting you. Correction is uncomfortable. But my God, correction leads you to where God wants you to be. So if you find yourself in a season of discomfort today, ask for the Lord to remove everything in you that's keeping you fixed on just yourself. Submit yourself to him so that God can guide you through the season of discomfort to become who he's called you to be. That's going to be the name of this episode. Correction is uncomfortable. And that's okay. Because if you choose comfort, you'll often choose death. Short-term pleasure, long-term death. For many of us here, we're just like Israel, like harlots. Oh yeah, we're harlots. I mean, I mean, I know. Just put a hand up emoji. I'll put my hand up right now. How many people have played the harlot? Oh my gosh. <laughs> played the harlot. Put your hands up. <laughs> if you can put up two up, two hands up emoji. Some of y'all might just put up the praise hands. Praise hands. You might put up the praise hands. Say, yep, that's me. Oh yeah, I'm I've played the harlot. Jesus Christ. I've played the harlot multiple times. And yet the grace of God brings us into those seasons of discomfort. Thank God for those seasons where you were uncomfortable. Thank God for those seasons when you were trying to do your way and you went through a deep season of depression. Thank God when you were trying to do things your way that you went through those deep, dark, painful seasons in your life because you know what they did? Reoriented you. Thank the Lord for all of us who've played harlots and we have all played harlots. All of us. Goodness gracious, I'm ranting. We've all played harlots. I've been a harlot. I'm sure everybody here has been a harlot. If there hasn't been one harlot in this chat, you, you're probably a harlot right now. Okay, if you, if you ain't a harlot, if you say I've never played the harlot, then you're playing the harlot now. <laughs> We've all played the harlot. Wanted to live life our way, do our own thing. But by the grace of God, he's brought many of us back. And many of us, it took a crisis to get us back. The only difference is, is that we said, not my way anymore, Lord. What do you want? If God says, hey, go through this season of discomfort, take it. Take pleasure in it. Enjoy it. Because when you get out of that season, oh my goodness, you're coming out with wisdom. You're coming out with insight. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't become this person just through just this. Okay. I didn't become this person just through, man, you know, intelligence or no, I had to go through some stuff. You're going to go through some painful things. Some of you are going through some painful things right now. You're going to go through a difficult season. Some of you are going through a difficult season right now. 
And if you're going through it, I promise you this, that when you get out of it, you're going to come out stronger, wiser. You're going to come out with more insight, more clarity. You're going to come out of this thing. And when you get out of this thing, God's going to elevate you to another thing and another thing and another thing. So take joy even in the midst of this. Because God's teaching you something. So listen and let God do what he does. You're going to get out. And when you get out, you're going to get stronger. Believe that. Father, I thank you for uh, bringing us here together, Lord. We're all like the Israelites, hard-headed. We want to do our own thing, live our own way. That's just who we are. We keep thinking that what we got is better. Our ideas are better. How it should go our way is better. That's just us. Uh, And even those tendencies, Father, you've shown us, Lord, how dependent we are on you. Well, there are those of us right now who are in seasons of discomfort. Those of us right now, Lord, who are stuck. There are those right now who feel backed up against the wall. Those right now who are being marginally broken, marginally broken. Father, I pray right now, even in the midst of this season, Lord, I pray that you would impart grace and wisdom and insight. I pray, Lord, that you would teach each and every person to submit to you, to believe in you, to trust in you, to let go of their way. And Lord, to lean on the way, to let go of their truth and to lean on the truth. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen.